Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. On today's episode, we want to welcome Sarah Withy, who is joining us from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Sarah is a software engineer. She learned to program as a kid and has loved it ever since. She has been mentoring students in robotics teams for over 10 years and is currently a mentor at Girls of Steel Robotics, a 100% all-girls robotics team, part of First Robotics, based at Carnegie Mellon University. She passionately tries to connect with people and communities, both online and offline, and encourage and support new people going in tech. Welcome, Sarah. So happy to have you here today. Thanks. I'm glad I could be here. Sarah, we are thrilled to be talking with you today. I'm going to start with the fact that you loved programming since you were a kid. How did you get started programming? My parents had a Commodore 64. At some point, I'd end up coming across like the manual for the computer, which back then it was like a 200-page book. And it talked about all the commands you could type in to do things. And I found out you could actually combine these together to do different things. You could kind of write your own little programs and do silly things. And I ended up like doing this and thought this was like the coolest thing ever. Like, wow, I can type these things and the computer's like doing everything. I'm telling it to you. It was wonderful. And I just kind of, in a sense, got lucky in that as computers moved forward over the years, you know, we got our first PC and, you know, very old versions of Windows, you know, and I learned to program in QBasic and then eventually Visual Basic and then C++ and Java. And it it just kept fascinating me. I think I always just love this problem solving aspect. Like it wasn't about you bang things on a keyboard and magic happens, you know, it's kind of like I'm having the computer try to solve problems for me. I'm telling it to, you know, do things to maybe reduce how long it's taking me to do things on on my own or whatever. And I, I think I just kind of loved it. Always felt kind of like solving puzzles, I guess, in a sense. So you have been mentoring students who are part of robotics teams for 10 years, which is really so impressive. Would you tell our listeners what a robotics team is? Yeah. So I'm specifically working with like middle and high school teams. So it started where I was on a first Lego league team. And so they built um, Lego robots that had like little attachments you could put on and take off. And then you would run the little program and it would have to go out onto this field, do a bunch of different things with like little Lego doodads, like pick up boxes or place items up on a particular location or move a thing somewhere on the field and then come back. And then they would have to take off an attachment, put on a new attachment, run a different program, and they would have to go out and do these things. And the more tasks it could accomplish in two and a half minutes, the more points they got. They really emphasize cooperation. So the team you might be competing against now in this round might be your teammate in the next round. There's a lot of competitions where it's like two versus two. 
and they're all completely random. So you might have to understand like, oh, here's their vulnerabilities. The robot's not really good at doing this. And then later realize, oh, well, the robot is good at doing something else. And we can take you know advantage of that as a team. It's really kind of cool to see not just kids going after each other in competition, but sometimes actually having to turn around and work with each other. So the first one I did was first Lego League. The next one I moved up to was first Tech Challenge, which was like early high school. Um, and they had to build much larger robots, but not with Legos, but with actual like metal parts and motors and stuff like this. And then as I moved to Pittsburgh, I ended up entering a first robotics challenge team, which is like three foot tall robots that are like running around and throwing balls across the field. And it's really cool to see not just kids working on these things, but actually watching them like, hey, how do we solve these like really kind of challenging problems? And um, watch their minds think through these and try different solutions. And they may work, they may not work. Really often they don't work, but you know, it's a part of the learning process. And to see them sometimes even come up with ideas like I would not have come up with. Sometimes these ideas are actually like really good. It's wonderful to be able to do that, but especially in the earlier years where the girls may not have implanted that knowledge, like, oh, well, I can't do math and science. You know, they, they might still be at that age where they haven't been talked out of by their peers, by their teachers, by their society, by TV programs, by whatever. And, you know, I'm lucky to be on a all-girls robotics team now, and I'm the lead mentor for the FTC, which is like the late middle school, early high school group. And we have two smaller teams, so they're both working on robots, and they just kind of go in and do it. You know, there's not a ton of, well, I can't do this. We help push them along. If they get stuck, you know, we can kind of get them unstuck. But, you know, I really want to see them come up with ideas and run with their ideas more than I want to say, well, here's the right way to do it. But I want them to experience the process of saying this doesn't work, but we can make small revisions to make it work. We met you through Girls of Steel Robotics. And I wonder how did you find this particular team? When I was moving from the Midwest to Pittsburgh, I knew I wanted to replace all the activities I'd been doing with similar ones in Pittsburgh. And one of the ones I didn't find one for immediately was robotics mentoring. And I was talking to a friend of mine and she ended up saying like, well, my sister lives in Pittsburgh. And when she was in high school, she worked with Girls of Steel and, you know, you should talk to them. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I started looking at their website and like, okay. So I uh, found the contact form and filled out the form and met the person in charge. And she um, said, oh, well, come on by our robotics lab. You know, you can take a tour and you can kind of see what they're working on. Like, okay. And then I landed at CMU's campus, Carnegie Mellon University. And they have this huge robotics sector of their campus. You know, they, I'm used to sort of like when I was in college, our robotics team met in like a converted custodial building <laughs> that, you know, it's just like, oh, we found some tools and we threw them in there. You can have those, you know, and sort of the scrappy underdog kind of team. And here they have an entire building that's just robotics labs not counting like where they actually do classes and stuff. And they got to have a corner of this building where they worked. And I'm just like, I'm, yeah, I, I kind of did the thing where, you know, like 
girls say like, I'm not good enough to work in science or whatever. I kind of did this walking in there. It's like, holy cow, this, like, I'm not smart enough to work with these girls. They have like professors that are mentoring them that are professors in robotics. Like there's no way I could possibly work with them. And my friend, she ended up saying like, so many of them do it just because they're there at the university. You know, it's like, it's a thing to do to get volunteer hours or it's a thing to do to, you know, kind of do good. But, you know, they, students eventually leave the school, um, you know, professors sometimes get new jobs, you know, there, there's not a lot of, um, sometimes people don't always stay there very long. Whereas I would be there because I want to be, I'm there because, I actually do have a passion for tech and I want to share that with people. Um, I've been mentoring for so long. I, I do love it. And, you know, she said, there's something to be said for working with that group because you really want to, and to be that outsider. And, and also that I'm, you know, a professional software person. I, I, you know, that's my day job. I like doing it. And I think they could look up to that. After a little bit, you know, they moved me over when the lead FTC mentor left. They're just like, well, we want you to help run this program now. And so I'm sort of in charge of the whole arm of FTC in this group. And uh, it's, it's refreshing. It's a lot of work, but it's, you know, also really nice to be able to say I, I have good influence on helping them learn and grow and build robots and hopefully take them to competition. It's been a little weird with pandemic stuff. Would you share a story of some experience you had as a mentor where you really learned something that you considered important for you? I don't have a degree in robotics or anything like that. So as I've switched between things, I've had to kind of learn along with the new people. And, you know, I I think my professional knowledge has helped me like soak it up really quickly. You know, I've also done, you know, various robotics things in college and learned hardware things along the way. So so it's helped me a lot faster, but I think there's something there that, you know, sometimes the kids can also see the vulnerability and, you know, just like, Hey, can you help us learn a thing? It's like, well, sure. Let me figure it out first too, you know, or, (laughs) you know, like, Oh, I don't actually know the answer to this. Let me find out, Um, you know, shows like, you know, I, I do have a lot of knowledge. I'm there to mentor you. I I'm there to guide you, but also I don't always know everything and it's perfectly fine to not know everything. Cause I think that's also another thing that women face is like, well, I can't do this if I don't know everything to know about it already. And, you know, it's like, I, I often don't know what the heck I'm doing, you know, but that's, that's where my knowledge of the problem solving comes in. It's like, well, I'm, I'm thrown into a hole, but I know enough to get myself out of the hole. I love your passion for mentorship. And I'm, I'm wondering, did you have mentors in your life growing up in this space that inspired you? Or was it maybe a lack of that inspired you? There's a little bit of lack of. Like nobody really actively said you can't do this, but I didn't really have a lot of people saying you should do this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been kind of my own, this is really cool. I'm going to keep doing this until it stops. And then it never really stopped. I think kind of got me where I'm at. I've seen in society, there's so much that just says, you can do better than science and tech. 
oh, you're good with people. You should go do a people job, you know, and I'm good with people, but I found the people skills really help me in tech. You know, like, like it's good to be good at programming, but it's also good to say, I know how to talk to people. I understand how users use software. I understand the need for accessibility. I understand the need for diversity. I understand these things. And these are very much people skills, but they're very much needed in tech. Why aren't we helping everybody realize like they, they can do technology? Why aren't we helping these girls, you know, realize like if you have an interest in science, maybe you should try running with that. I do it because I like sharing what I love, but I think there is also this part of me that hopes maybe at least 25% of these girls, you know, can go into a tech career and maybe at least 25% more say, you know, maybe I won't go into a tech career, but this has helped me in wherever I do go. So many people I mentored in those early years are now out of high school, out of college. They're in their own real jobs. And some of them are working engineering careers or other like tangentially related tech things. And it is really kind of awesome to see that sort of impact out of the few that I have managed to still hear from and see their work. So, you know, this is a question that we like to ask all of our guests. Um, and it's the question, how how can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power. One of the greatest things I've heard is shine theory. If you haven't heard of shine theory, it's this idea that um, you should be around people that shine. So that way their shyness radiates on you, but also if other people are around you, then your shine can radiate on them. So I think sometimes there's this like, oh, I shouldn't hang out with so-and-so because they're better than me or they're more popular or they're more famous or they're more, you know, they have a, they get paid more at their job or what, whatever the reason is. And this theory kind of states that no, really you should be around them because all the goodness that comes to them might also come down on you. And I also think about this and that sometimes I've been given some good things and it's really been nice to be able to share some of that with other people. It's been nice to say like, oh, I got invited to this conference. Maybe I can't go, but maybe I can recommend somebody else to take my spot. Um, It's been nice to look at some of these girls and I've heard them say like, my idea was so dumb. I'm like, no, your idea wasn't dumb. It might not have worked, but it was a good idea to try. You know, you, you learned from it. And I think one of the things I try to keep with me is, you know, being involved, first of all, in things is good and it's important. And people, you know, especially younger girls need that involvement from adults, but also to say, you know, I want to keep doing good to help you shine. And I want you to take you know, what you can from me, because as I get good stuff happening in my life, I want to be able to share it with you all too. Well, Sarah, um, this time has just been wonderful just to get to know you and your journey and really inspired by your passion for mentorship. Um, And so just thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And to our listeners, always thank you for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. Thank you for having me on. Sarah, it's been great learning from you. So thank you so much for being here. And thanks also to Girls of Steel Robotics for the introduction um, to you. I love much of what you said and am especially your advice to us that we help each other shine 
it's a beautiful thought for all of us. So thank you so much for being here with us. And we'll also send thanks out to Lisa DeJavine, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.